Hello, Doug. Hello, Karen. We are on Hollywood Boulevard. What? That's right. Vroom, vroom, vrooming through January. Uh, <laughs> as we said to those who uh, had also listened to our sibling podcast back on the block, uh, it's the tail end of January. We've already almost made it through the first month of this crazy new year. So congrats to all of us. And thank you for standing by us through it all. Yay us! We survived 2020, we've survived the insurrection, and we just need to survive January. Well, and then February. And then February. <laughs> one, one month at a March. time, but we are here, we'll get you through it one pod at a time. <laughs> uh, so, hey, we've got shit to talk about. That's right. Streaming shit. A streaming pile of shit. No, that's not necessarily the case. That is not but true. We might not have bad things to say after all. That is not true. So I don't know. Do you, we've got? I've got one thing. You've got one thing. Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I'll talk about a movie that fairly recently dropped to Amazon. It's another one of the big year-end awards baiting ones called One Night in Miami, which is the directorial debut of Regina King. Um. It is an adaptation of a play that uh, was performed in London, but never made it stateside. Uh, and true to its title, chronicles one semi-eventful night uh, of conversation among four legends, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. Um, and so, so, you know, it's uh, a lot of talk about, you know, politics of the time and race relations of the t at the time. Uh, sort of the primary focus is on um, Cassius Clay, you know, the, the other name of Muhammad Ali, how he is uh, going to announce his conversion to um, uh, Islam. And, um, you know, influenced by Malcolm X. Malcolm X, meanwhile, um, has sort of his own plans that, that he is going to announce. Uh, and he also starts picking on Sam Cooke for, for what he perceives as not helping the black community more, not using his own success to help spread that wealth uh, around his other people, if you will. The, the night it takes place on is early in 1964, um, and just a few months after that is when um, Malcolm X will be assassinated, as we are again reminded at the end of the film. Um, it's a film that, that, that certainly means well, and by and large, the acting is good. I think the portrayer of Malcolm X, uh, an actor named Kingsley Ben-Adir, is probably the very best of the four. I think he was probably the most dynamic uh, and and um, authentic uh, of the cast uh, of of the leads. Um, there's also something that's just a little too sort of static about the film. I think there are actually some sort of rookie, not mistakes, but um, sort of convenient choices that Regina King makes. Sometimes there are some obvious framing. Uh, choices, just speaking from a cinematographic point of view, that they're like choices that a director might use that call attention to themselves, but don't actually communicate anything. 
Um, and it, the other thing that I just wanted to throw out is it never really abandons the feeling that this was a play. There are ways that you can open a film up that make it feel less play-like uh, and ways that, that don't get you away from that. Um, this still feels like, while there are scenes that take place, you know, elsewhere besides the motel room and outside the motel, it's just, you know, mostly staying in the motel room, feels a little static. Um, you know, there are other adaptations like, like August Osage County, uh, Fences, that, that find ways to just open up the action a little bit more than this one does, and it feels like it's a bit more cinematic than, than this does. I turn back to Steel Magnolias, which completely opens up the storytelling and you feel the entire life of an entire town where it really just took place in the beauty salon uh, of the play. So there are, there are ways to do it that add dimension, and I don't think that dimension is, is uh, fully present here. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's, I think it's noble. But, um, uh, but, I, but I think, you know, seeing it once was enough, and I don't know that it would land on my list of, of favorite movies of the year. I did not realize it was a play. Was it in New York? When they, in Miami? No, as far as I know, only in London. Okay. Okay. All right. In London, it wasn't LA, huh? No. Um, and it's the playwright uh, who adapted his own screenplay is also the one who wrote the movie Soul, the, the new Pixar film that I reviewed just a couple of weeks back as oh, well. Oh, so, that you so liked. his name you is liked... Kemp Powers, which I yeah, liked. You liked that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember you liked that um, and, and so it's uh, certainly a banner year for him. Good for Well, that's cool. I mean, it's sort of good for everyone involved um, because I hope that this does open the door for the other actors, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., Aldous Hodge, Eli Gorey. Uh, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all doing good work here. Um, and, you know, I imagine it's just the first of many films that Regina King will, will help. Ultimately. I love her. So, yeah. Yeah. I love her, and I'm rooting for her. I, I'm, I do want to see this. I'm j I just wonder if it's, like, a little stymied by the historical aspect of things. You know, sometimes I think, like, these sort of, you know, biopics can be... They, they can get a little dull, I guess. Yeah, and it's not helped by the fact that it's trying to be blunt about, like, the situation at hand. Uh you know, you know, there's one scene where Bo Bridges shows up and he plays a very successful character talking to one of the other characters. And you think he's a nice, probably benevolent man. And then almost out of nowhere, he turns around and says, you're not allowed in my house. We don't let N-words in here. And it's like, well, I get the point, but. Well, I yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, I'm wondering, obviously, I didn't see the play, but I'm kind of wondering if that was in the play script and um, for whatever reason they decide because you know you do get that heavy-handed in stage plays that that is one thing i've noticed is, my guess is that specific scene was not that that was something that was added in to build out the movie beyond the motel room really okay because sometimes i like i feel like um 
something like that would actually be in a state because I do find theater can be very heavy handed. I don't know why they kind of beat you over the head with certain things. Um, yeah, it, it lands almost like a punchline. It's a little forced. Okay. Uh, but it's, this is not a subtle movie. This is a movie that, that really does tell you all of the things it wants you to come away with. Okay. But one can also argue these are things that need to still be heard. So we can, we can leave it there. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, this isn't necessarily about the movie, but this is like a movie that I would really want to see. But like, I am so, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's the, the pandemic. I am so divorced now from anything that's going on. Like, I have absolutely no yeah. idea. And I guess it's partly because like, movie studios aren't really pushing their shit. You know, like, I don't, like, I'm not reading anything yeah. about re new releases. I'm not seeing anything about, like, new on streaming. Like, I'm just kind of, like, stumbling upon things by accident. Like, there seems to be no level of curation anymore for me. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, I may be a little bit closer to that than you, but the truth is that I'm not really following things. I don't hear about them until maybe the day before or the day of them being released in XYZ format and then I say well I've heard about this and now here it is okay let me give it a try and maybe I can do it that weekend or maybe I wait a little bit because it doesn't really matter like it certainly doesn't uh magnetically draw me to it the way in years past I would have been like oh I really have to see this I really have to make a point of going to see this I really want to make a point of going to see that I I know that this stuff is all sort of out there in an orbit that I can access and be, uh, partly because I only have still so much time and there is still so much out there. It all just sort of gels together into a, Oh, I can poke here or there when I want to, but that I don't constantly want to. Well, I mean, and I just don't even know what's out there, period. Like, I have no idea. You know, Anthony said to me the other day, like, Oh, what movie do you want to watch tonight? And I was like, I don't even know what movies there are. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are experiencing that. You know, Where like, I don't even, I have there, no idea. How to find it. Look, I mean, hype, campaigning, promotion, whatever you want to call it, is kind of non-existent right now. Is that what it is? Is that it's just there, there is no promotion out there going on? There's, there's some, but if you're not watching, like, the late night talk shows, where they're doing Zoom interviews of stars plugging their new stuff, chances are you probably wouldn't know yeah and like i never watched the late night show i mean you know you know me i'm in bed by eight right you know i mean like i wasn't watching it before and like I, anyway but i knew that shit was coming up it's all very weird it's such a strange time it is everything feels nebulous right now so weird so weird um but yes and you saw something too yeah I somehow, you, somehow you found something. Somehow I found something new. Um, it is a new series on Netflix called Fate the Winks Saga. Tell me more. Fascinating origin story of this show is that in 2004, there was a, a cartoon on Nickelodeon called Winks Club. And this live action 
rated MA series is based on the cartoon, The Winx Club. So what was the original Winx Club about? The animated one. The animated one, it was basically the same story. I only, I never saw it when it was on. My daughter saw it when she was little. She only survived one episode and she was like, fuck that. And so basically it's about fairies who all converge on um, this college, Althea College, to learn about their supernatural skills and practice and all of that because they're fairy warriors. And there is this one fairy who joins them from planet earth or the world, not planet earth, but like the world. Cause now we have fairy world and we have, you know, human world and, um, they're, they're not like on different planets. So, um, so, so you can't really sort of, sort of say world. But anyway, she discovers that she is a fire fairy. I don't remember the actual term for it. Where, But her magic is, you know, balls. She throws balls mm. of fire. Like, she can control fire. And she accidentally, like, has, like, sets her house on fire because she's angry and nearly kills her parents, her human parents. And that's how she finds out she has magical abilities. The head ma- the headmistress goes to the human world and finds her and sort of, like, they concoct the story that she's going to some fancy Swiss boarding school. Um, and But she's actually now gone to the fairy realm and she is going to learn how to control her, her magic. Um, and so that's uh, the basis of this of this story, um, which is this live action adaptation. And I just think it's hilarious that it went from a cartoon for kids, and they've turned it into an MA live action series on Netflix. And and like, does it work? Does it survive the transition? Or it does. Is it too cheeky. Okay. It does. It's actually really, really good. Um, you know, it's really funny because this was a series that came out on Nickelodeon in 2004. Um, and I don't think any of the Harry Potters had been released at that point. Oh, no, no, no. We were like deep in Harry Potter mania by then. But just the books, right? Or were we actually um, there? The movies, no, the movies first, the first one was released in 2001. I think the third one was 2004. Okay. So there was it was already like at a fever pitch, I think. By okay, because there there's some some things that I kind of wonder were they borrowed from Harry Potter, but then this I think the Winx original um, series came from Italy, actually of all places. Oh. Um, I apparently it was on for a lot of seasons. Um, on Nickelodeon, it had like you know it's it it says on here that it been airing even as soon like as much as 2009 um you know it's so it it lasted for a while um yeah it looks like it's something that came out of um out of italy of all places so it's an it's it's, i guess you could say it's an italian series even though it was in english as far as i know um but yeah i so it seems like whatever happened in the translation, again, I didn't watch the original animated. This series is actually really good. I mean, it's teens, it's it's set in a high school, so it's got a lot of that angst going on, mm-hmm. you know, the teen angst thing. But I think it's handled really, really well. Um, and there's some really good 
acting going on, especially from the youngsters, the kids. I think that they're doing a really great job. Um, we, are any of them not new to you? They're all new to me. We only okay. have the only actors that I recognize are Eve Best is the headmistress. Oh, yeah. I, knew, I saw that she was on it and uh, I love her. And Robert James Collier, who we will from know Downton from Abbey. Downton Abbey, is in it. It looks like he lost a lot of weight. Did he have a lot to lose? No, he didn't. And I'm just putting the, this out there and because I just know his, his, his facial structure looked a lot more angular. Um, you know, his, his face looked less full. Um, and I just know that that was also a thing with, um, the other guy from downtown Abbey. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens, where he lost a shit ton of weight. Um, even though there really wasn't much weight to lose there no, um, no, when he no. left downtown Abbey to, to actually get cast, which I, I, you know, I shudder with that. Cause I know that that's a thing that happens with women all the time. And now it seems like it is turning into a thing with men too, yeah, um, yeah. which is really kind of awful. Um, but anyway, he's, he's a phenomenal actor and it's nice to see him again. He was always one of my favorites in downtown Abbey and I haven't seen him do anything except downtown Abbey. So no, I haven't of, either. Yeah, and, and it took me a minute to figure out who the hell he was. Like, I was like, why do I, who, I know him. Yeah, I recognized him, but couldn't place him. Yeah, yeah, and so always the sign of actually a very good actor. Um, And so, and so he's one of the teachers as well, and, you know, these teachers are harboring a secret. Um, mm -hmm. Of course. Of course, and, um, you know, there are a few things where the kids, uh, you know, that you see in cartoons, this is a very cartoony thing, where the kids are interacting with the adults as though they are adults and they're the ones that are going to save the day. Um, and even though, like, if this was actually probably not a cartoon, um, the kids wouldn't be going to the adults at all and they would just be doing things on their own. Um, and there are elements of that where the kids are going off on their own, but they always wrap the adults back into it before it gets like completely out of hand, which we know doesn't happen, um, really only happens in cartoons. Like that, I think that's the only thing that's sort of left over from the cartoon that they keep doing. Mm. Like they keep going back to the adults, to the, um, you know, to the, the grownups, the, the, that are supposed to be taking care right. of things. Um, you know, I guess because that's something you're going to put on a cartoon, listen to your parents, kids, you know, um, and, and that seems to have carried over, uh, somewhat unnecessarily, um, mm. you know, because I think that they're making something very different here. They're making something for older kids, um, you know, te teens to young adults. And so something like that, you actually really need the, the students to be completely separated from the adults and, you know, be doing their own thing. Um, so I've got only one more episode to go, but I've really been, um, so we've kind of binged it over the last couple of days a little bit, and we've really been enjoying it. So I would say if you dig magical stories and, um, you know, fairyland and you're not, and you don't get too angry when you're like, hey, didn't, do, didn't they do that in Harry Potter? Did they steal that? Um, you, that doesn't really bother you. Then I would say, check this out. You might enjoy it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm happy to see that actors like, uh, Robert James Collier and Eve Best have ended up there. Yes, and they're fantastic. So the, the acting is pre is really strong across the board, and I really like the kids. Neat. Well, yeah, so there we go. I'm going to go to bed now. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we have hit the end of the road, uh, or at least found an exit ramp. 
Um, so yeah, guys, we love you. If there's anything out there you're watching that you want us to weigh in on, uh, please let us know. If you don't know how to find us, go to our Facebook page, Back on the Block Pod. Um, and you can always uh, keep our year going great by going to iTunes and giving us five stars. But yes, yeah, this is that. a podcast for you. So if there's stuff you want us to talk about, if there's stuff you want to hear about, engage. We encourage. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to bed. All right. Um, and we will bid you guys adieu until next week when we return to Hollywood Boulevard. We will see you then. Be well. Bye. Bye.